true? Is it true what he talks about time? No, it's not. <laughs> the video has only given you your psychological interpretation of time. Time does not change. Time is constant. So that video tells you a lot of times is how we interpret life. Your interpretation matters. It's not the truth, but your interpretation will decide how you're going to live your time. How you're going to live your life. Because the time that you have is the life that you live. We don't want to be sick. We all want to be healthy and strong and to live a long life. And the word of God says that with a long life, I will satisfy you. So that can be a life that is full of sickness. It's not the will of God for us to go senile. It's not the will of God for you to have Parkinson's disease. It's not the will of God for you to have dementia. Your interpretation matters. The way you interpret your data matters. What is it that you need to delete and never to recycle? What is it that you need to have and hold on to? That's what planning about. And that's what planning will help you. That's what setting goals in your life will help you. A life without goals, you will just be drifting, floating along. You cannot afford to live life in general. You need to live life specifically. You are the most important person in your life. No one can be you, but you yourself. No one can have your feelings and your thoughts and your willpower, but you. So it matters how you interpret your life. It matters the way you make your choices. It matters how you live. And life does not come spontaneously. Life comes with this package. God has your life packaged for you specifically. But only you can open that package. Only you can live your life. And that's why learning from the word of God, knowing your God matters. Don't live like the people around you. You need to specifically live out your life, which is yours and yours alone. Don't live your life through your children. Don't live your life through your spouse. Don't live your life through the people around you. You need to determine how you want to live. And that's what setting goals is about. I want you to look at the scripture with me, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. Now, I have read this scripture many times, and I've listened to this scripture preached many times, and yet still I did not get the thorough understanding until now. I did not get the revelation that spoke to my heart and changed my life until now. And this is what I want to pass on to you. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. Now, I don't need you to fulfill me. I don't need you to satisfy me. You have not come for me. You have come for yourself. Whatever we have learned from the word as a leader, as a servant of God, I would pass on to you. But it's up to you to receive, to interpret and to live it out. Because I can't live your life for you. Neither can you live your life for me. Life is very specific. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 to 3. And the Lord answered me and said, 
Write the vision, make it plain upon tables, that he may run that reads it. A lot of times we think that this is about the church vision statement. No, it is not. Okay? So I want you to highlight, and that's how the Lord taught me to read my Bible. He said to me, you must read your Bible with highlighters. I use crayons, different colors representing different things. Rightly dividing the word of God. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So he had me highlighting write, read, vision, speak. I want you to notice that everyone has five physical senses. You can see with your eyes. Hear with your ears, speak with your mouth, smell with your nose, and touch with your senses. I want you to understand that in the spirit, you also have five physical senses, but God will not activate your spiritual senses until you have learned to use your physical senses with God. It is important that we see the word. It is important we write down what he had told us. It is important we speak the word, not to others, but to ourselves. As we hear, we pray. As we speak, we listen ourselves, the first person. And it's important that you read what you have written. Use, apply the five physical senses to the word of God. And today, I want to highlight the word vision. The word vision means sight. Now, here the scripture tells us that the vision is yet for an appointed time. But the end, it shall, it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Don't misunderstand the word wait as like we just sit and wait, like we're waiting for a bus to come. No, the word means to proactively prepare yourself. It's like you're doing a medical degree. It's like you're doing an engineering degree. It's like you're doing a TAFE course. You're waiting for the certificate. You're waiting for the diploma. You're waiting for the college degree. But you don't wait passively. You wait proactively. You prepare yourselves by learning. You prepare yourselves by growing. You prepare yourself by maturing. Wait God's appointed time will come to a person who has prepared himself. Wait, because it will surely come. Because your future is God's promise to you. That's why it's an appointed time. That's why it's a promise. It will surely come. It will not tarry. Seeing, writing, and reading, and speaking, and manifesting. They are very, very important in our lives. We have a God-appointed time, a God-appointed future that's happening all the time in our lives. It's not case, sarah, sarah. It's not whatever will be, will be. That's the devil's song. Don't you sing it? A promise shall surely come to pass for those who see, who write, who read, and speak earnestly, expectantly, working towards the future, the outcome. Vision means Sight. How many of you drive a car? Come on. You drive a car? Lift up your hands. Can I ask you, does your car follow your sight? Yes, right? Your car follows your eyes. Your car follows your vision. You have to look ahead in order to drive ahead. 
You need to know what's happening before you. That's why the GPS will always prepare you for the turn ahead of time. So whatever you see, you will go. Whatever you see, you will go. If you're always seeing gloom and doom, that's where you will end up. Somehow, it will happen like that. You don't understand why. It's because that's where you have been always looking at. And whatever you're always looking at, you'll always be thinking at. You'll always be thinking about. Whatever you're looking at, you'll always be thinking about. How many of us have been in love before we got married? Come on, lift up your hands. Don't lie. Yes. Yes. Why did we marry the person? Why did I marry Sunny? Because that's what, that's whom I thought about all the time. Your thoughts matter. And that's why you need to filter all the bad thoughts away. And hold on to the good thoughts. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We cannot go where we cannot see. We cannot go where we cannot see. We'll be running around in circles like a dog chasing his own tail. Have you ever seen a dog chasing his own tail? I have. A dog that's chasing his own tail goes nowhere. And you don't want your life to go nowhere. You want your life to go somewhere that is good. Come on, say with me, my future is good. One more time, my future is good. Amen. Well, last Sunday, we talked about time. I spoke to you about having a time sheet. So the time which is immaterial and invisible can become material, invisible to you, and then you can manage your time beneficially, fruitfully, and profitably. Why? Because what we cannot see, we cannot handle. What we cannot see, we cannot manage. What we cannot see, we cannot go. So your vision matters. To go to somewhere which is good, you need to see somewhere that is good. To walk in love, you need to see somebody is worth you loving. And what is the worth? The blood of Jesus. Anybody that has been bought with the blood of Jesus, it's worthwhile to us. It's worth our love. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. If you keep seeing the bad, you talk about the bad of that person. And you have a hard time loving the person. So our vision matters. God wants us to manage our time profitably. Well, you say to me, you're one of those prosperity prosperity preachers. Yes, I am. I believe in prosperity. I believe God wants to prosper us. Not to harm us. Not to break us, not to make us poor and sick and sad. There are many Christians like that. They are sad all the time. They see the bad in people all the time. And they work so hard for God. And they're asking God, why? Why? Why am I sick again? Why am I broke? Why am I so poor? Listen to me and don't be offended. Whatever we cannot see, we cannot do something about. So our problems that we cannot see, we won't be able to get rid of them. If somebody tells you what's wrong with you, especially if it's coming from the pulpit, I don't look at people when I preach. I'm not afraid of offending you. I'm afraid of offending God. So if you hear something, if you hear something that you go, oh, Pastor Dora is talking about me. Probably I was. By the Holy Spirit. And you need to see your problems in order that you can get rid of them. Can we say amen? 
Because what we cannot see, we will not do something about. Pride is blinding. Pride blinds you to destroy you. And that's why God resists the prideful and gives grace to the humble. Can we say amen? I told you that I am a prosperity preacher. Why? Because God is into prosperity. If I can ask you to read Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 from the NIV version. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans. Jeremiah 29 11 from the NIV. For I know the plans I have for you. See the word plans? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to... Come on, read that together with me. Plans to, one more time, plans to prosper you. That means to profit you. God is into profiting you. Well, that you say, Pastor Dora, but that's only one scripture and you're trying to twist it. No, let me give you another one. Verily, verily. Isaiah 48, verse 17. Isaiah 48, verse 17. Why am I doing this? I'm plugging out from you the roots of poverty mentality. Some of us, we have that poverty mentality that's so rooted in you that needs to be plugged out. Isaiah 48, verse 17. Look at the second line. I am... Two times, the Lord your God, your boss and your God, who teaches you to what? Who teaches you to what? One more time, who teaches you to what? Well, you say to me, Pastor Dora, that's about your character. Oh, are you sure? You just want to be spiritual and broke and sick. (laughs) I want to tell you, Whatever is spiritual will manifest in the natural. When he says, I'm the Lord who heals you, healing should manifest in your body. I'm the Lord God who teaches you to profit. Profit should manifest in your bank statement. Can we say amen? Come on, give the Lord a big hand of praise. Amen. What happened? Jesus did not stay spiritual. Jesus did not stay in heaven. What happened? He came to live in the midst of us. I think I'm too loud. He came to live in the midst of us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So every promise in the word of God will manifest in your life if you would commit yourself to consistently read it, confess it, speak it, pray it, live it out, believe it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's time for us to get rid of what is negative, what is depleting and consuming. How many of you have seen ticks attached to a dog? How many of you have seen that? Ticks attached to a dog? What do you do when you see a tick? That's what I would do. I would pluck it out. And the dog sometimes would even bleed because it's holding on to the dog so strongly. Sometimes you may hurt when God is breaking you but not crushing you. We are in the potter's hand and he does Break whatever is not good in us, for us. Strongholds in the mind that needs to be broken. Strongholds in your emotions that need to be gotten rid of. And when he plucked them out, sure, it hurts. But it's good for us. It's good for us. Can we say amen? It's important for us to take active responsibility for our mental health and our emotional IQ. Do you know that there is such a thing called emotional IQ? Your emotional IQ is very low if you just chuck a tantrum so easily. If you just quit so easily. But when your emotional IQ is high, you're able to 
lay hold of your emotions and change them for good. Can we say amen? Amen. And that's what vision and goal-directed planning will enable us to do. Please understand that God is not sitting on his throne, judging everybody, telling you you are bad, not listening to your prayers, dismissing you, rejecting you. No, God is not like that. The song that we sang just now, his love is tender, yet it is firm. His love is tender. It's as tender as it is firm. Can we say amen? Amen. God is not in the business of saying, oh, I love this person, so I grant him my prayers. I don't like this person, so I'm not giving them their prayers. God is not like that. There is no respect of persons with God. God is not partial. God does not discriminate anyone. Can we say amen? Glory be to God. Amen. When you have a vision and goal-directed planning, you will be empowered or enabled. You will be able to identify the major, what is beneficial, and disallow. Listen to this. It's very important. Disallow the devourer of time, the devourer of your energy and your resources. The devil will not be able to suck the life out of you like a vampire. How many of you have ever been depressed, sad, sorrowful, in self-pity? It's like there's a vampire, you know, and he's got his tooth in your neck and is sucking the blood out of you. All you have to do is just rebuke him. Go in Jesus' name. Amen. And go do something else instead of sitting there and enjoying the self-pity. Can we say amen? I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. Amen. So write, if you go back to Habakkuk, write, make it plain, readable to you and to others. Well, you say, Pastor Dora, I've tried to read my Bible. I don't understand it. It's so boring. And that's why you are listening. That's why you're listening. God has given you teachers so you can understand the Bible. And when you start to understand it, the more you understand it, the better you will understand it. The more you will understand it, the better you will understand it. The Bible then becomes open. Say with me, open. Open to you. Very important. Don't give up because you find it boring. Because you were wrong. The Bible is not boring. I'm not good with uh, accounts. I'm not good with accounting, you know, like Joshua, like uh, Leon. I find accounting boring. But at the same time, I know that it's very important. So I do my best to learn. I do my best to understand. You don't give up on something just because it is difficult. The more difficult it is, the more beneficial it is for you. To begin with, I didn't want to do, have anything to do with computer. I said to my husband, I said, I'm not going to learn that email thing is too hard. I just know God, that's good enough for me. Boy, I was wrong, hey. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Don't allow your spirituality to make you stupid. <laughs> Did you hear me? Don't allow your spirituality to turn you into a stupid person. <laughs> So when we talk about the future, we're talking about our vision. When we talk about our vision, we're talking about our future. Our God-designed, tailor-made, gifted future called the promise. And what's so good about the vision is that the vision has within itself the power to fulfill itself. The minute you believe in healing, healing has the power to give you healing. The minute you believe in divine health, that vision has the power to give you divine health. And that's why without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because God is pleased when you're having a good life. Amen. God is not into beating you up. Glory be to God. Amen. So the vision has within it the power to fulfill itself. 
Are there obstacles? Will there be obstacles? Yes. I'll tell you what we do with obstacles later. But the vision, once personalized, will be greater and stronger and more powerful than all the obstacles and hindrances added together. Did you hear what I say? The vision must be what? What did I say? The vision must be personalized. 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 Personalized means made your own. You cannot just have a general vision. If you want to to be a doctor, you need to have a personal vision of being a doctor. If you want to be an educator, you need to have a vision to be an educator. You must make it your own. Your vision will not come to pass, will not come to fruition if you don't personalize it. If all you do in church is say, yes, God is good all the time. Well, that's a general statement. Do you believe that God is good all the time? Do you personalize it? Do you think it? Do you speak it? Do you live it? Don't be a general. Be a specific. Say to the person next to you, don't be a general. Be a specific. Amen. The people around you can only explain and point to and direct you to your God-given vision, your God-given promise, your God-given future, but only you can fulfill it by making it yours. Remember what did I say? No one can be you but yourself. Come on, say to yourself, no one can be me but myself. So you better take care of that me. Your future, our future is God's promise. God's promise is our future. They are inseparable. Inseparable. The reason why a lot of Christians don't make it in life, it's because they've separated the church from their living. They've separated the church from their business. They've separated the Bible from their thoughts. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. In him, we live and move and have our being. You and God are inseparable. You and God's promise, your future and God's promise, they are inseparable. I'm called a fanatical Christian. Yes, I'm fanatical. Ever since I got born again, I had been fanatical. The opposite of fanatical is being lukewarm. Remember in the Garden of Eden, God said to them, don't eat from that tree of the fruit of good and evil. That's what the majority of the people have, good and evil. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. I tolerate some bad in order that I can get some good. God said to eat of the tree of life. You can't be just focusing on the good. That's what we are told to do. Whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, if there be any virtue, if if there be any praise, think on those things. Let me ask you a question, a very honest question. When was the last time you thought bad about somebody and then uh, that had done you good? No. No. You thought bad about somebody, even your wife or your husband, your kids, your spouse, your family members. That will right away change your attitude towards that person. It starts from here. Can we say amen? That's why it is in the word. Do not conform to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of the mind. The minute I heard something bad about the person, I say, no, get rid of it. Think good about the person. What is love? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Amplified Version, love is believing in the best of every person. 
Say to the person next to you, thank you for believing in the best of me. Amen. Amen. Well, a lot of times we have a problem with future, with the future. Why? Because the future, I used to be very scared of the future. You know, it's because the future is so incomprehensible. It's so unsure, uncertain, and even fearful. And then I realized that it's my soul. I need to differentiate between the feelings of my soul and the feelings of my spirit. That's what my soul would tell me, that my future is incomprehensible, you know, abstract, unsure, uncertain. You never know, you never know, and you never know. Can I ask you to be brutally honest with yourself? What is the way that you think about your future? What is your outlook on your future? Is it one of anticipation or one of apprehension? What is anticipation? Anticipation is like, my husband tells me, I'm going to buy you a present. Wow, yes, glory be to God. That's anticipation. (laughs) Joyful expectation. What's apprehension? Oh, I've just had a CAT scan. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen to your body, the doctor said to you. That is what? Apprehension. Apprehension is that you face your future with a degree of uncertainty, a degree of fear, a degree of sorrows. It's fear-based. Anticipation is faith-based. I know in whom I have believed. 2023 is my good year. That is of faith. Well, the world says that there's going to be recession. There's going to be another trend. Is it a trend of COVID? Another, what's that called? Strain of COVID. What's that? Apprehension. So you need to be brutally honest with yourself and check. For yourself, what is your outlook on life? What is what? Your outlook on life. How do you look at your life? Because if you think and you know and you feel that your future is going to be bad, that's what it will be. If you think and you feel that your future is going to be full of failures and you are full of self That's what your future will be because you are the most important person in your life. God has made you in such a way that your life will turn out to be what you think it is all the time. That's why we need to live by faith. We need to be very honest with ourselves. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Your thoughts make your life. Your thoughts make your life. So that's a very good statement. Why is it good? I change my thoughts. I change my life. (laughs) I change my thoughts from negative to positive. I change my future from negative to positive. I change my body from negative to positive. I change my relationship from negative to positive. I am in charge. Because you can be in charge of what's between your years. Here. Here. Can we change it? Can we change it? Can we change it? Yes, we can. Change the way you think. You change the way you live. Change the way you speak, you change the way you live. Amen. We need to get rid of that poverty, problem-centered mentality. We need to get rid of that poverty mentality. Come on, say with me, I need to get rid of any traces of poverty mentality. Get out of me. Get out. In Jesus' name. Say with me, I'm a success. 
Not a failure. I'm rich. Not poor. I'm healthy. Not sick. I love people. I don't withdraw from people. Amen. And by the way, do you know what amen means? Let it be so. Amen. One big mistake is uncertainty. Even Christians, unsure of the nature and the will of God. A lot of times, you know, how we live our Christian life is, oh, I do my best to please God. You know, I do my best to serve him. But we can't really tell what God, you know, we can't really tell God what to do. I can't tell what God's going to give me. I can't tell what God's going to do in my life. Hopefully, hopefully he will bless me. But if sickness comes, disasters come, pandemics come, we need to accept both the good and the bad. Don't we need to accept what's good and bad from the hands of God? Does that sound familiar to you? But if you tell this to a child, oh, it's okay, you can eat your good food and your lollies. You can eat your chips and also, you know, your, your pop, I mean, sorry, your beef or whatever is good for you. You don't tell that to your kids. God will not do that to us. Why? Because that's very confusing. You are, you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals me. And then on the other hand, you're telling me you are the God who gives me sickness. Don't you find it illogical and confusing? You are my Jehovah Jireh who provides. But at the same time, you're the God who would take money, my business, from me. Don't you find that illogical and confusing? That's the spirit of religion. There's a big difference. Listen to me very carefully. We have many, many good Christians here. There's a big difference between being faithful and being full of faith. You can be faithful to the dot. I can trust you. You're very dependent. You're very reliable. Whatever you do, you do it to the max of your ability. But you have no faith. That's why bad things happen to you. Being faithful is different from being full of faith. And then when something bad happens to you, you'll say, God, why, why, why? Because you have been faithful, but you've never learned faith. And you've never lived by faith. Who is that man in the Bible? Come and tell me. Who is that man in the Bible? Job. Job. Uncle Job. (laughs) Uncle Job was a faithful man, but he got attacked big times. And what's worse? He thought that he was God. And he accused God. He dare not accuse God directly, but he cursed the day that he was born. He blamed God. Why did you do that to me? Listen to me carefully, church. Listen to me, because I'm telling you what God has told me. Whenever we blame someone, we're actually blaming God. Whenever we're blaming somebody, we are blaming God. He dare not accuse God to his face, but he cursed the day that he was born. Who gave him life? God. If you feel bad about your life, guess what? You're blaming God. If you feel bad about your husband, feel bad about your wife, feel bad about your kids, feel bad about everything and everybody, and yet get so mad, so sad, and you just want to withdraw from everyone, maybe even commit suicide, guess what? You're very upset with God. When we blame someone else deep inside, Blaming God. Why? Because the grave is on the inside. There's not enough light to enlighten you. 
darkness is still prevailing. Clarity, surety, and direction. Come on, say with me, clarity, surety, and direction. I I can hear somebody say, but Pastor Dora, that's not true. It is true. The world believes in luck, but we believe in God. Right? And the word of God says that whatever is wrong for you, you can make it right. Whatever is bad for you, you can change it. Death and life is in the power of your tongue. God is not good if he does not give you the ability and the power to change what is evil to good. We love to blame someone else because, you know, that we have no responsibility. But the ultimate responsibility is, why did you not change it through your prayers? Why did you not change it through your love walk? Christianity is about the power to change. Change your life. Change your thinking. Change your feeling. Change your mind. Can we say amen? Can I ask you an honest question? How many of us can change our mind? Lift up your hands if you can. Otherwise, you need to go to a mental asylum. (laughs) How many of us can change our mind? Come on, lift up your hands. Come on, come on, change your mind. Yes, we can. We can. Glory be to God. Amen. Vision is to do with clarity, surety, and direction. Vision makes us see our life clearly. Expect our future surely. Arrange our activities sequentially. If you don't arrange the activities of your life, you are not doing your life a favor. If you just let whatever happen to you, you know, Kesarazara, whatever it will be, will be, you're just standing there like a victim and tells the devil, you're telling the devil, just bring to me whatever you want. Is that how you want to live your life? How many of us wake up in the morning and I don't know what's going to happen to me today? You better not do that. You must have your morning devotion and your evening devotion. You declare what's going to happen to you today. Even before you go to bed, you declare it. Devil, you're not bringing anything bad to me. You're not bringing to me accidents. You're not bringing to me pandemics. You're not bringing any sickness to me. You're not bringing any strife to me. Get out in the name of Jesus. And I receive all God your plan for my life, your divine orchestration of events. Hallelujah. Your grace, your mercy, your goodness, your blessings. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Where do I get my vision? Do I have to pray in tongues for a month? Fast and pray for two months to get my vision? What's the answer? Where do I get my vision? You know, a lot of times we think, we put aside the table. We put aside the table. No, we put aside the Bible and we just sit there. God, when are you going to talk to me? God, when are you going to give me my vision? Oh God, give me my vision. Oh God, tell me what to do. When all the time He's been telling you what to do. Hey, I remember when my kids were little. I I needed to cook three meals a day. So it's not that I enjoyed it, but I had to, right? But what did I have to do? I had to prepare myself before I could cook. You know, my favorite dish is the tomatoes with eggs. This is easy. (laughs) But I can't cook that if I have not bought any tomatoes. If I don't have any eggs in my fridge. (laughs) And another dish that I would like to do is fry vegetables with beef. Easy, right? Just fry. But I can't do that if I haven't bought any vegetables, nor have I got any beef. So what is the key? Preparation. 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 So reading the word is preparing yourself. So you hear God all the time. 
You hear God in and out of season. All the time. Why? Because you have prepared yourself. You prepare yourself in the event of sickness and disease. So when sickness and disease comes, when you squeeze that toothpaste, what comes out of it? What's in there? So when the devil comes to pressure you, offense doesn't come out of your heart. Fear doesn't come out of your heart. Poverty doesn't come out of your mouth. What comes out of your heart is, by his stripes, I am healed. He sent his word and healed me. He's the God who answers prayers. Those who trust in him will not be ashamed. Amen. Why? Because you have prepared yourself. You've had planned your time with the vision. Amen. So where do I get the vision? The vision is from the word of God. What do you mean from the word of God? Well, I gave you a handout last Sunday, didn't I? Go and look at the handout. That's your vision. It's important for us to have a vision that we pursue our knowledge of God. It's important for us to have a vision to serve the Lord. It's important for us to have a vision for our family, where we love to do housework, which I used to hate, but now I love. (laughs) So to have a vision for enjoying your housework, have a vision for enjoying your family, your family members. Don't curse your kids. Love them. Enjoy them. They're naughty. That's part of being a kid. That's part of being a child. Weren't you naughty? Yes, I was very naughty. Weren't you rebellious? Yes, I was very rebellious. Have a vision for our relationships. I don't like my mom. She's always nagging me and scolding me. Have a vision for your mother that she's loving. She's kind. She cares for you so much. Change the way you think, and that would change the way you treat her. And that would change the way you think about her. Well, you say, I used to, you know, my mom, my dad, they scare the daylight out of me. Have you heard that? I've heard that. My parents are coming. Let's get ready. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Sonny is coming home. I better tidy up my house. I used to be like that. Somehow, for whatever reason, we find it hardest to live with those that we are closest to. (laughs) But praise the Lord who had corrected me. I enjoy my housework and my house is ready even before my husband comes home. (laughs) Amen. That's a vision. It did take me just one minute. It took me a while to change. Because honestly, I didn't like housework. When I was in school, that's one of the reasons I got into university. It's so that I could hire May to do all my housework. Honestly, that's the honest truth. That's what got me into uni. (laughs) And that's what got my son into uni as well. (laughs) But it took a while for God to change the way I think. And when I first, you know, when I first got born again, I remember very clearly, the Lord said to me, he said, I want you to learn two things. The most important in your life, learn how to be a wife of your husband. That had taken me a long time. And learn how to be a mother to your children. That had also taken me a long time. Those were the two things that I have successfully changed. Praise the Lord. Amen. So I'm prepared. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. So where do we get our vision? Let me ask you. For Jesus. All right. We all listen to Jesus, right? Let me ask you. Did Jesus have an angel that would come to him to give him a vision? Did he? Did he have an an angel that flew to him and told him, This is my vision for you. No. No. Go with me to Luke chapter 4 verse 17. Luke chapter 4 verse 17. Read what's before and after that scripture. No angel came to Jesus. There was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. He was rostered on. 
He was roasted on like those of us that are reading the scriptures in the morning. So don't underestimate it. Okay. And when he had, who, who had opened the book? Did an angel open the book for him? Did the book fall on his lap? You know, I, <laughs> I have met Christians that they think this is the way to hear from God. So they pray in tongues. And then open the Bible. I'm going to use their finger. That's, that's the scripture. God is talking to me. Can you tell yourself, don't be a wacky Christian, please? Come on, tell yourself. Don't be a wacky Christian, please. Let's scare the daylight out of the people around you. Don't be a wacky Christian, please. (laughs) So the Bible did not fall on his lap, did not open to where he wanted to read. He opened the book and this is verily, verily, he found the place where it was written. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock. And the door shall be opened unto you. Who is the one doing the asking? Somebody said Jesus. No. (laughs) Who is the one doing the asking? Who is the one doing the seeking? Who is the one doing the knocking? Boy, don't you have a lot to do? Yes, we do. Can we say amen? Say to the person next to you, don't ever be a passive Christian. Amen. Don't ever be a passive Christian. Amen. We must stop being so hyped up, so super spiritual, so wacky. We must stop it. And that's what gives Pentecostal Christians a bad name. You say that you are spirit-filled, but I don't find any fruits in your life. Jesus said, by their fruit, not by their praying in tongues, I will know them. How we live matters. How we treat one another matters. If you're always critical and judgmental, that's the people you will attract to your life. And very sad to say, that's what your life will be as well. How many of you know that gossips are attracted to those who love to gossip? The minute you stop to go, you, the minute you stop that gossip, nobody likes to talk to you anymore. It's good because they have nothing good to say. Amen. Say to yourself, my life matters. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Is that okay? Can I ask you another question? Do we need an angel to come from heaven to correct ourselves? Do we need the move of God to correct ourselves? No. Who is to correct you? Me and Sunny have been married for a long time. And my husband knows very, very well, too well, he can't correct me. (laughs) And I know very, very well, I can't correct him. Neither. (laughs) But we have both learned the best method, intercession. Because if you only correct yourself because somebody asked you to, you haven't got it. You must have the light to be fully convinced that I need to correct myself. For my own good. For my own good. Amen. You don't want your mom to be nagging you. You need to get the revelation yourself. Can we say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. We don't need the move of God to correct ourselves, to know, to do what we know is right. But it does take humbling ourselves and disciplining our soul, managing our time to correct ourselves, to submit to God's way of doing things. Let's not complicate matters. Wasting our time and resources. Simple obedience is what it takes. The power to obey is in the willingness to obey. 
The minute I'm willing, the power comes. Amen. Can I finish with this? Christianity is not just about you and God. Please get it right. I used to get it wrong. I used to. Just me and God. Who cares? No. Christianity is about me and God and the people. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and all of your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The God that we serve is very good. He's he's very forgiving. He's very kind. He's very, very merciful. And at the same time, he's very successful. He's very powerful. He's very, very nice. He's very, very wise. So it pays when we obey his word. One thing that we need to correct ourselves from is that we don't want to be wrong. We hate it when we are caught wrong. We get offended. We get upset. We get ashamed. The thing is that if you want to be a leader, well, you say, I've never wanted to be a leader. Well, you are a dad, aren't you? You are a mom. You are an educator. You you work in the business. You're helping people. That's being a leader. And if you want to be a leader, both at home, in private, in public, it is very important that you accept your own learning curve. And what I mean is that we all fail sometimes. We all miss it sometimes. A big deal. Get rid of the shame. Get rid of the blame. Get rid of the guilt. Get rid of the condemnation. Though I fall, I shall arise. You need to tell yourself that. Don't worry about your face. Get another mask. Put your makeup on. (laughs) Don't worry about your face. You know, sometimes, you know, people would like even to die just to save their face. Don't worry about it. I remember what embarrassed my husband a lot when I got saved. To begin with, I was like, I was just like a child, just just very naive, also innocent. And, and I thought, I've come to church. That's the best place I could ever be. So whatever I had that was wrong, I just tell everybody and that would be fine. So every Sunday, you ask my husband, I would come to the front. I didn't, we didn't go to a big church, you know, not many people there. But I would come to the front. I would tell everyone. Oh, I made this mistake. I made this. I made that mistake. I made this thing. Could you please, everyone, pray for me? <laughs> we need to do that with God. We need to embrace our failures as much as we embrace our success. Did you hear me? We need to embrace our failures as much as we embrace our success. You must have a plan. If you want to be a game changer, you need to have a game plan. A game plan is what you keep correcting. It's what you keep updating. You keep improving on a constant basis, on a daily basis. We need to improve ourselves. We need to improve ourselves. We need to improve ourselves. We need to improve ourselves on a daily basis. Until all the way, we go to heaven. That's what guarantees your success on the earth. You need to have a game plan because you are a game changer. And we need to stop blaming anybody else for our own success or failure. Can we say amen? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. It's about God and me. And people. Let's finish with this. 1 John 4, verse 20. 1 John 4, 20 to 21. I've heard pastors say, I would have made a good pastor without all the people. <laughs> and I've, I've heard pastors that have resigned because of the people. 
But what's pastoring about is what? People. (laughs) You can't be a pastor if you have no people. You can't be a leader if no one is following you. Isn't that true? Amen. Come on, say with me, people. I have to love people. One more time. I've got to love people. And say it with me. I've got to love this person called me. One more time. I've got to love this person called me. This is the truth. Because if you don't love yourself, you're always waiting for somebody else to love you. And if they don't love you, you get angry. It's like, how come Pastor Dora didn't give me a present? Well, go and buy one yourself. Isn't that true? (laughs) And and walk in love towards me. (laughs) If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, the word hates means dislike. It's all the dislike accumulated, all the judgments and criticisms accumulated that becomes hate. Break it down. And hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? I remember God highlighted the scripture for me when I was reading it. So can we say amen? So it's important to plan your time with vision. Okay? We need to have a vision for our relationships. We need to have a vision for our finances. We need to have a vision for our health. We need to have a vision for our walk with God. Plan your time with the vision. Get the hand out. Amen. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.